Hello and welcome to a bit of film podcast. I'm Hattie. And I am James. This podcast is for film lovers, spoiler chases and general banter. We are two Brits in lockdown with too much time on our hands talking about films. We both hold degrees and jobs in the creative arts. Yes, our parents are so proud that it ultimately led to this podcast. So we might go into some behind the scenes or production elements you might not know or be familiar with. We release episodes every two weeks talking about the latest film and TV offerings. If you love excessive defending of plot holes and mispronouncing actors' names, this is for you. Please be advised we discuss spoilers, so please turn off if you haven't seen or keep listening if you don't care. This week we are talking about the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League, all four glorious hours of it. So for those of you who are not DC fans or live without Wi-Fi, the internet asked and after $70 million paid by Warner Brothers, we have Zack Snyder's cut of Justice League. Four years after Josh Whedon's theatrical cut that was not received well, Josh Whedon had to take over directing after the death of Zack Snyder's daughter. His wife was also working as producer on the project. So I didn't know that the the edit is to raise money for suicide prevention. So Zach didn't even take a payment for this, which is, yeah. So anyone listening, you've got to have a read of the Vanity Fair article about Zack Snyder talking about the circumstances that led to this because they're pretty insane. <laughs> and also this, uh, the film is dedicated to his daughter, Autumn, which is at the end. That was, a yeah. Uh, I mean, that, that was, was a lovely little moment, which was, yeah, which was really lovely. I mean, I suppose he couldn't have ended it any other way, but... He said it couldn't be made without without her, which was really sweet. And also that uh, it also helped the negotiation that he didn't take a fee because he literally was like, "I just want to make it, I want to get it made how I wanted to," which was a, uh, which was pretty cool. Yeah, and given obviously what, what what this article clearly says about how it's it's he's not taking a cut, he's this is all being yeah. donated on. I mean, the whole film is dedicated to her, and that that was very very sweet. Definitely, definitely. You said that you guys had yeah sat down and watched the entire thing. And I thought, I'll, well, what I'll probably do is I'll watch two hours of it. I'll probably watch about half of it, two hours tonight, and then I'll watch the other two hours in the morning. Nope, I sat through the whole <laughs> damn thing. <laughs> I everyone I've everyone I've heard from had to sit down and watch the whole thing. You couldn't turn it off. It was like you were half invested, and if you'd seen the other one, you just had to know how it ended. Yeah, yeah, it had a way of gripping you. No, I sat through and didn't feel like I'd. I didn't feel tired by the end, I think is the best way of describing it. Yes, yeah, yeah. I I managed to get through it and still be thoroughly entertained. Mm. Oh, oh, actually, the 4.3, I finally found the reason behind the 4.3. It's because Zack Snyder wants to release it one day on IMAX. So that's why he delivered in 4.3. I don't follow. So what, he's he's cropped it specifically so that he can can do a widescreen version when he goes in cinemas? Yeah, he can do an IMAX version. cheeky bastard. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you'd like that. I love how there's a lot of there's all these theories about how, oh yeah he's done it in the four three to make it look all more edgy to make it more like this to make it more like that and then we were talking as well about the fact that basically it meant he had less screen space to do his essay yeah. on and actually no it's because he wants to try and release it in cinemas at some point oh god I mean how are you going to watch a four hour film in the cinemas I mean I know we've sat, we've sat through like the likes of Endgame for three hours plus but four hours is a long time they just have to give an interval particularly with no breaks they'll have to yeah. have an interval they'll have to have an interval. Oh dear. what you were saying about the 4-3 I mean it was weird at first is all I can say I've said well, I've, I've had these conversations with a couple of people who I know have watched it the 4-3 is odd because obviously we don't watch films like that anymore but you do get used to it quite quickly I mean I'd forgotten by like 30 minutes like, which in. hour did it suddenly become okay at <laughs> no like I say about 30 minutes in I think you, I started to get used to it and I just I think yeah I don't oh, know oh yeah it's, Superman's mum she had her dog cut in half that was the only character that I saw that was cut in half throughout the whole thing for this four three. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I didn't notice that. Clearly, it wasn't paying enough attention to the dog. <laughs> you always pay attention to the dog. <laughs> and also, uh, what was it? Um, VFX sausage uh, hot dog stands, because you know, flying flying wheelies are also a important part. Of oh DC. Jesus Christ! Oh, that was really weird. <laughs> I know. I didn't like that it. Was, I was. That was very weird, and the and the super close up of the sesame seed on the bun. And and to be honest, that, that truck driver should have his license revoked. <laughs> I mean, he was looking yeah. away from his windscreen for far too long. It's amazing no one else got hurt. Yeah. So the original one. And I think at the time, I wasn't, like, I didn't hate it. I mean, I, I remember the, 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 the stories around it in terms of, obviously, it had production issues. And, yeah, I think moustache. it was. And, the, and obviously, that yeah, Moustache Gate, yeah. which was, <laughs> which as far as I'm aware, they fixed in this one. 
Yeah, they, they obviously had a lot more product, uh, budget to go and fix some stuff, yeah. Yeah, well, I think, to be honest, I think a lot of what will have happened with Zack Snyder's Justice League is that clearly they, they, they took every criticism from the first one and thought, right, let's just let's fix it all. From what I understand, so obviously Zack Snyder was, was filming Justice League. That was always the original plan. And at the point that he left, he, he basically had a four-hour film. So at that point, it was four hours long because there was there was rumors about whether or not it was going to be split into two parts right. in the same sense that Infinity War was originally rumored to be split in two parts. But then clearly there were some discussions going on at the studio and they wanted to release like one big film. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The article I sent because that talks about um, what the circumstances that happened with that. So Snyder had sent the four hour one to the execs. I think it's like the three execs of Warner Brothers who are now been fired. Mm-hmm. And they all were like, no, this isn't working. No, you're going to have to cut it. And then his daughter committed suicide literally about then. And he tried to keep going. And then it just got to a point where there was just so much criticism and just, they just, Debbie and him just got overwhelmed and and left the project. So they did try and keep going for a bit, but then it just was, you know, too much completely, understandably. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh was just given an impossible job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Clearly he got brought on because obviously it's success with the Avengers films, but... Clearly, Joss Whedon couldn't even save the DCEU, so... Uh, <laughs> but um, but from what I yeah. understand... Josh is in a bit of hot water at the moment, so uh, yeah, mm. I think this is just adding to um, some, some other stuff going on with him at the moment. The, the, I would say that there were things that were addressed in Justice League. For example, the character of the Flash was supposed to be funny, and it didn't quite work, and it was a really odd hybrid, I felt, particularly having watched the series at the time when I was watching it. Um, I didn't <laughs> understand what he'd done with the character. I was really confused. There were some really harsh cuts in the Josh Whedon that just didn't explain movements. Characters evolved, appeared, and there seemed to be very disconcerting things. So I I would say it is fan service, but actually it's closer to just telling the story that he originally wanted to tell. And I'm actually surprised that this got greenlit because the first hour and a half is establishing characters who you've never met before. And it's really hard. Like the beauty of the of Avengers was that we all knew the characters. When Tony Stark arrived or showed off his new, you know, techie stuff, we didn't question it. We didn't need an explanation. We didn't need a backstory. We knew him. And with these characters, particularly Cy, uh, Cyborg, I think yeah, his yeah. name is, he has a lovely backstory that is fully fleshed out in this movie. And I understand why Josh cut where he did, because he had to. There, there were bits and it was like, you can't put the shot in. But then because he didn't, there was just everything seemed to kind of impact each other and you ended up with these horribly harsh cuts. To me, it was a better way of telling the story. The VFX fixed a lot of stuff, which I obviously, I seem to remember from Justice League was a bit weird. What I will absolutely say is in this edit, all of the characters are much better established, are much more likeable and have much more like motivations for decisions that are made. It treats the characters a lot better <laughs> yeah. in every sense yeah. of the word. Even to the point that I would actually say that Ben Affleck's Batman is not as horrific as I thought it was going to be. I can understand why he was like, yeah, it wasn't bad. I mean, he, he's not Christian Bale. Let's just, let's just put that out there. The big thing for me was the movement of Wonder Woman in the edit. Did you notice this or was this just me looking at the edit thinking that there was something special there that there wasn't? When you say they, they, they changed, the, changed the movement of Wonder Woman, yeah, they like they sped her up, so she moved faster. So it was more almost like a human watching her rather than rather than like at her speed, like bullet speed. Um, no, I think there were. I, I suppose it depends on which moments you're talking about. Like I'm still, I'm still very much thinking of the bank scene at the very beginning of the film, which, to be fair, I thought was pretty similar to what Josh we we'd have done. But that was again sort of trademark Zack Snyder slow motion. That was a mixture of like you say, sort of like how humans would perceive her, but then how she would perceive everyone else sort of in the, and yes. that bullet time i thought that scene in the original version was pretty badass anyway <laughs> so the fact that it's left relatively on sort of edited in this version was quite good except for the fact that she straight up kills a guy at the very end yes <laughs> actually several guys but it was more the point i think there's one point where she throws a guy against a wall and then there's like a blood splatter which is new. trying to well it's new <laughs> but I mean, this is R-rated, isn't it? This 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 whole yes. film was R-rated, yeah, which, yeah. to the most part, I didn't really get that it was R-rated, except for the brief moments where you had 
blood splattered across the wall and i think there's a couple of moments where hands get chopped off and particularly at the very end yeah there's i'd say there's more mature themes in this one and the light-heartedness is gone for good um but back on the the bank scene mm. um what i thought was interesting about it was the fact that um josh had used different uh, different takes so there was no upskirting of wonder woman which <laughs> which was a nice word <laughs> um and also that just they were kind of like kinder they were like more determined but simultaneously kinder takes than the ones that josh wheaton did see it's See, since since watching the Zack Snyder cut, I've seen lots of videos which are like comparing the Josh Whedon yeah, and then the too. Zack me Snyder too, one. Yeah. <laughs> and it's quite, I mean, it's quite interesting with with certain, even like the action scenes where they basically have them side by side, and you can see that the Zack Snyder one is much longer than the <laughs> Josh Whedon one. But that tends to be because of slow motion. It's it's funny you should pick up on the how the how Wonder Woman was filmed in this version because that was very apparent. And now, now, now we know that jo- that her and uh, Josh Whedon didn't really get on. That also kind of uh, adds a little bit to it. Well, it kind of, if anything, it it kind of, kind of ruined my perception of Josh Whedon because obviously my per- yeah. my perception of Josh Whedon up till this point has been like he he's, he he was the creator of Firefly, wasn't he? I'm I'm not making that up. Firefly, Buffy, Angel, something else he did, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so well, of those of those three, Firefly is the only one that I've seen. <gasps> Don't shake your head at me. <laughs> I can't watch everything. It's not possible. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but um, obviously, well, Firefly obviously being the, one of the one of the pr- primary ones. But then he obviously brought Avengers the first time around. Like in my own sort of nerd world, I mean, he was he he, he seemed really really good at his job. But then, I know. I but know. then, yeah, kind of seeing. And now, oh, it's just yeah. there's lots of little things with one, like particularly particularly the shots. Like I remember, there's I think there's a shot when um, it was a side by side comparison. I think there's two actually. One where she's gone to go and meet Cyborg mm-hmm. for the first time, and when she's meeting Bruce after he comes back with Barry, and there were shots yeah. that very much focused on her rear. Yeah, <laughs> and it oh, just yeah. completely yeah, I gone. Remember that. Um, and then there was the whole thing of Flash landing on top of her in, during the middle of a fight scene, which was very awkward. And then there was yeah. a whole sequence where Aquaman was basically objectifying her yeah right before they went off to the final battle and i mean at the time a lots of lots of those i suppose the flash one at least mm-hmm. me watching it the first time seemed like a, an attempt at comedy because i know they did yes. that with age of ultron they did that with um banner and natasha i think yeah but they were kind of but the difference with them is that they'd established them as a kind of a couple almost yeah but it was still kind of like an unnecessary thing to have like yeah. i mean yeah regardless of whether they're a couple or not that was a really weird thing to sort of put in the middle of a fight sequence so it was kind of i don't know it was kind of a parallel thing but like it just the whole thing of aquaman like sort of like i say the way he's talking about her and objectifying her it just seems like a really seemed like a really odd thing to put in that film regardless of the context i i I agree with you it's kind of ruined josh whedon for me too but i did really enjoy the snyder cut and i i'm with you i don't know if i'd have sat through four hours at the cinema for this Mm. i really don't think i would have I, I think it's quite sh- telling that Josh Whedon didn't actually say he directed it on the when it was released. It still said it was directed by Zack Snyder, even though we're all like, this is a Josh Whedon cut. Didn't notice that either. Interesting. Yeah, which was... So I think that I, I understand why a lot of the actors were a little disgruntled, um, to say the least, with, with him, if only for that. But also, of course, it, so- it sounded like filming was not, was not fun. No, but then... I- Sorry to play devil's advocate, but I mean, even with Joss Whedon, I mean, we know what. Then the age of Ultron made him abandon the Marvel franchise. Yeah, and it sounds like he went from that where he was getting a lot of pressure from the studio to do certain things, and then ended up going onto a film which had already basically been finished, and then was working for a studio that put a lot of pressure on him to do a lot of things. So I don't think he had an easy ride of it either. I think he tried to do the best with what he did. I don't think it's fair to take it out on your crew, crew and cast, though. No, well, clearly, this is, I think this is where you've got more information than I have. That's true. But no, please do have a read of the Vanity Fair article where the the full backstory behind it is definitely, definitely interesting. We'll have to link that in the description of this episode. Yeah, I think so. I think so. It's, it's difficult to know whether or not how much was planned originally. This is the thing. When I was watching it, I had to kind of watch it to, through two different lenses, as it were. I had to watch it. One, is this a reaction to the first film? 
to the original film, sorry, I should say, or is this true to his original vision? And I think it's a, I think it is a little bit of a mixture of the two, but it's kind of like framing it in the mind of if this had come out in, was it like 2017? Yeah. If this had originally come out, would it be this big sort of Marvel thing? No pun intended. Hmm. That, um, <laughs> that it clearly is at the moment. Obviously, it's been released in, in the middle of a pandemic. So there's going to be a sort of yeah. a lot of people going to sit, well, sitting down and watching it because of that. That's definitely true. It's definitely helped it. <laughs> definitely not hindered it. Yeah. And, and it's obviously got this massive following in the sense that there was the whole hashtag release the Snyder Cut. And, and it eventually uh, Warner Brothers gave in and, and then released it. I and mean, sorry, gave him the budget to, to then re-release it. And now there's the whole hashtag restore the Snyderverse. So I mean, it yeah. kind of opens <laughs> the can of worms at this point. But, I know. Um, I think they've shot themselves in the foot without realising that one. <laughs> yeah. But, we'll give uh, them a little bit, and now they want a mile. Yeah. <laughs> but the but the reason the reason I bring that up about the two different lenses is because so with with Jason Momoa's character with Aquaman, the way they were sort of bringing in elements of the trident that he gets in in his own film, and then yes. um, I can't remember the name of his character, but the guy that William Defoe plays, it's like Varco or something like that. Volco. Okay, so it wasn't too far off. No, no ideas, Volko. I'm not. A, it, it looks like nudist, but I don't think that's what they're going for. Um. <laughs> but obviously, with him him being in it, and and there was the part where um he he'd gone down to Atlantis and he'd seen the I think it's I don't know it's like a throne where it's where the Kylie no Julie Andrews kaiju monster thing lives, but apparently didn't yes. appear in this scene. I don't know William Dafoe's character, who I've already forgotten the name of his character, Volko. Volko. He he brings the armor and he brings the trident. I think I think the one that he goes to see is is the the king's trident or something like that that he eventually gets in Aquaman. But the, I was watching this and I was thinking, ah oh, right, so has he gone back and refilmed this? Is this was this always meant to precede Aquaman or or have they put this in to make it all look a bit more connected? Because the DC universe hasn't exactly been great in terms of its continuity. And I thought no. that was actually a nice that was a nice piece. That was a nice little scene to put in there that kind of threaded back into. His, his his story in Aquaman, and there was a couple of other little bits that sort of did the same thing, but uh, that was the one that I remembered most. I think I think that's more because Aquaman was the the first film to sort of come after that. Um, I've got I've got to run something past you that I read, so um, I read something that actually Josh Whedon's edit was a response to the criticisms that he received from Age of Ultron, so he added and tweaked things that he put in the Snyder, the sorry, in Justice League that actually was just people critiquing his directing style from Age of Ultron. So I was wondering what you were going to think about that. Because funny enough, I think part of, I think part of Joss Whedon's problem in Age of Ultron was the fact that Disney were giving him lots of restrictions in the sense that he had to set up. Because I think in Age of Ultron, he ended up setting up Infinity War, Ragnarok, Civil War, Black Panther. Yeah. And probably probably a few more that I'm not thinking of, and uh, I suppose it's not the hardest thing in the world because a lot of them are sort of like passing references. But I remember that being one of the sort of key issues, let's say, of Age of Ultron. But I don't, I, I don't, I don't hate on Age of Ultron as much as everyone else seems to. Like, I mean, it, it was never going to be as good as the first one, but it was still a pretty solid Avengers film. It wasn't as good as the first Avengers, but it was never going no. to be. This is this has been my whole problem with the DCEU is the fact that it's. I mean, I know that they, they, what they were trying to do was sort of mimic what Marvel was doing, but with the DC characters. And at the end of the day, we've had X amount of Batman's, X amount of Joker's. Now it's it's almost like they're just like we'll just make as many films to do with these characters as possible. It's like oh, that's what they did with Spider Man on Fantastic Four. They were just rebooting them as many times as they could to try and keep the uh, IP. Yeah. Exactly. And I, yeah, it's like one of those ones where they just kind of need to have a bit of direction. If someone says to me, like, are you a Marvel or a DC fan? I'm a DC fan, I would say, because I, you know, they're detective Okay, that's, the end, of this, and... that's the end of this podcast. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love watching Marvel. I enjoy it. It's good fun. But there is a darkness to DC that has always just been brilliant. Oh, yeah. I kind of want to slap them sometimes, and I'm like, "Why are you trying to be Marvel when you don't? When you're stop? When you pretend to? When you kind of give up being DC? DC is supposed to be darker. It's supposed to have darker themes. It's supposed to push the envelope. It's supposed to make you think. And I think that's why I really respected the the Joker movie 
Because they actually, firstly, they accepted that Heath Ledger had been Joker. And so they completely got that the theme of it somehow related to that. And then they tried to do something really dark. And I was like, that's what they should be doing. That that will push Marvel out of the water every single time. Because they border that thing of being the kind of what the public wants. As well as having this really dark, meaningful thing. I mean, that's why Tim Burton's Batman... He did so well, which is uh, arguably why they've been able to reboot it as many times as they have. <laughs> and why Nolan was able to come, I want to make an even darker Batman, and I want to make it a little less kind of comic book. And he was able to do it, because fundamentally the characters are just more complex. And I think that's maybe a part of the reason why Justice League was great, because every single character had that moment that you were like, shit, that's horrible. <laughs> like, that is really bad. Like, yes, I, of course you you want to do this. And Instead of it being like Marvel, where it's always like, it's got to be faster, it's got to be this, it's all about the stone, it's got to be... DC characters aren't like that. DC characters are like, my whole world has fallen apart, and I've got... And, you know, I don't want to keep doing this. And it's fascinating, and I love watching the kind of character breakdown that they present. And I... And I yeah. So, no, I, I get disappointed with Marvel, because I don't find them as interesting. And I think that's why I particularly liked WandaVision so much, is they went down this route that they they, they took a risk on, which is what I actually associate with them um, with DC. No, that's interesting. I I know what you mean. I, I know what you mean. And um, like I think if they try to do any of the DC characters in a Marvel style, let's say, it wouldn't work. Um, so I think there is something to that. I mean, yeah, which when, is what the Josh Wheaton Justice League tried to do. Yeah, which is yeah. which is the mistake. It's it's like yeah, it's it's exactly what you just said in terms of like why are you trying? Because I mean, the point is DC that. DC wouldn't be able to compete with Marvel. Marvel was already established by that point. They already they already had the, the crown. What they needed to do was something different. I mean, I saw I saw a quote from Zack Snyder. I can't remember it word for word, but it was it, it was about this debate. I mean, in terms of like him not wanting to be Marvel. It, what he wanted to do was he, he didn't want to compete on their level. What he wanted to do was almost push the fantastical mythological side of the DC DCEU. As opposed to the comic book superhero flick that Marvel was, so they're still doing very different things, but have mutual respect for one another. I suppose. I mean, I, I hate, I honestly hate it when people say, "Are you a DC or a Marvel fan?" Because I'm a fan of both. <laughs> it's as simple watch, as that. I watch both. I watch both. Absolutely. Why deprive yeah, yourself absolutely. of one of them? I mean, at the end of the day, when it was, it was obvious that the DC were trying to compete with Marvel on their on their level when they started. Well, presumably with Man of Steel, but they still have that darker, grungier thing. And I do, I, I agree with you. I think it's a case of trying to embrace what makes them different. I do not understand why they hired Josh Whedon. I there are, to me, there are so many other act, uh, directors who would have done it complete justice, who have a not a similar tone, not an identical tone to Snyder, but at least similar. And get the tone. And Josh Wheaton, for everything that we've just discussed about Marvel versus DC, I completely do not understand why they hired Josh Wheaton. Um, I I do. Yeah. I mean, I I know why he was hired. They are wise. Yes. I know why they he was hired, wise. but I know it was for all yeah. the wrong reasons. At the end of the day, there was a studio panicking that they've invested all this money into a film that basically wasn't finished. So they thought, right, okay, well, let's bring in the guy who managed to sort out the Avengers. And obviously, like you say, different different but tones. They were look, yeah, they were looking. They were look, if, if they looked at the edit that he'd made, how you know if you gave uh, you haven't seen Watchmen, but if, if you gave Watchmen <laughs> to Josh Whedon, it would be a totally different film. Yeah, no, it would I not get be that. dark. It would not be this. It's like why did you know? It should have been the um, Todd thingy who directed Joker, but at the, I realized at the time he hadn't done a superhero movie at that point. But just somebody dark, somebody who could have. I'd have begged Nolan. I'd have been like, please, please. <laughs> I think I think Nolan had washed his hands of it after doing uh, the Dark Knight I trilogy. So. I think so. But do you know that he's actually an exec on the Snyder Cut? Oh, I wouldn't surprise me. No. Yeah. I mean, he was an, he was an exec on Man of Steel, but I'm pretty sure that means he had nothing to do with the film. But <laughs> this is what I don't get. I mean, I mean, you might be able to tell me more of this, but as far as as far as being an executive producer, as far as I'm aware, that just means that they've they've negotiated something in their contract that says we'll we'll put you in as a credit for executive producer. You don't have to do anything. We'll just we'll tag your name on that. It makes you look more important. So sometimes it's money, uh sometimes it's advice, 
Sometimes it's story input. Um, sometimes it's just, you know, you're one of the senior members at the um, studio and you greenlit it. Exec producer is one of the weirdest credits you can be given. It's, it's everything from you mentored me through this through to you gave us half the money and the facilities or the, yeah. you know, to do it. So I've no idea what he did on Man of Steel, but my guess is it wasn't story. <laughs> um, it might have been money, um, but I, I guess not. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure. No, I'm not sure. I, I have, I, well, I know. I remember in the trailer all that time ago now. But when Man of Steel was first unveiled, as it were, it it's, it did say from from producer Christopher Nolan because at the end of the day, what they were trying to publicise there is that well, you like the Dark Knight, you like the darker take on the Batman. Well, here's the darker take on on Superman, even if he had very little involvement in it. So this this will be an interesting point. I'll be interested to get your take on it. So I, I did think there were certain themes or certain elements which I thought Joss Whedon's one did better. Ooh, okay. And I think that was more to do with... I think it circulated around when they're bringing back Superman. Yes. When they're having the discussion about using the mother box that they've got to basically resurrect Superman. I remember in the Joss Whedon one, it was there was more conflict in that decision. There was more... Yes discussion let's say um whereas in the snyder cut i felt like that they came to that decision far too quickly yeah that's an interesting one i've I've got another thing i can jump in on that one okay so zach's original story was that he didn't that he wanted amy adams character lewis lane to be in a relationship with batman no yeah yeah so this no, is this is what so they so they were in a relationship. This is what this was Zach's original idea for the story. They were in a relationship, and it suddenly gets to a point where um, Bruce Wayne realizes that he needs to resurrect Superman. And then there is one of the lines that I think is continued, which is that Bruce Wayne says, which is something along the lines of like, "She's our secret weapon," which is the Lewis Lane element. Mm. And the reason why that line should have more impact is because it's supposed to be that Bruce Wayne is having a relationship with Lewis Lane. Bruce Wayne, yeah, Bruce Lane. That was too many, <laughs> too many alliterations. Bruce there. Wayne in a relationship with Lois Lane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so actually, that so that brings me on to another one. So they're all sort, they're all sort of like tiny little things. I am really nitpicking, but there was also the whole. <laughs> so yes, in the Josh Whedon cut, as I'll now call it, when Superman's resurrected and he's a bit disorientated, he's he's starting to basically attack them all. I think. If I'm right in thinking, Bruce Wayne had Lois Lane basically there on standby to to uh, to basically bring him back to his senses. Whereas in the yeah. Zack Snyder cut, she's kind of just there. Yes, yes, she was. I I thought that as well that she just suddenly was conveniently there. Yeah, she I always mean, comes to. I mean, she's supposed to come. She's supposed to come at the same time every day. That's that's why, isn't it? Yeah, I know they I know they set it up in the um, in the earlier scenes of the I was going to say the episodes earlier scenes of the film. <laughs> Your ex- yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's episodic. I'll give you that. <laughs> well, it is with the six, seven different parts. Chapters, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. So I mean, it wasn't entirely sort of out there. I just thought it was. I don't know. I suppose it was a bit more natural. I don't know. There was just a few things like that which kind of did, just didn't work. I remember in the original Aquaman, so Jason Momoa, Arthur Curry, that's his sort of actual name. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. He's very much against the idea of sort of bringing him back. As is, as is uh, Diana, from what I recall, like she's very much more let the let the dead rest or let him live. Yeah. In peace. I think because it's all it was all harkening back to the fact that in Batman v Superman, basically he, he he wasn't Batman wasn't willing to let Superman live, and now he won't let him die. And there was that yeah. there was a brilliant I think that was a brilliant line in the original as well from Henry Cavill, which was exactly that. It's like you won't live me, let me live, you won't let me die, and that was entirely gone from this version. And I thought, I don't know, there was just slight little touches like that, which I kind of missed from the original. But is that a bit prescriptive? Is that prescriptive to just be like, to make him say it? Like, I, like Zach doesn't like to have people say what they mean <laughs> purposefully. Maybe, I don't know. I just thought that was a really cool line. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, saying that, I mean, the whole, the whole transition for Bruce Wayne sort of feeling a responsibility to bring the league together as it were and then to bring uh clark back i don't i don't know if it was because this was obviously a four-hour cut and i can't remember at what point in the film that they do start to bring superman back it was presumably towards the sort of like third act it's like two and a half hours in I think. yeah it's probably something like which that, but... works better in this one i'd say sorry yeah you, you keep going 
No, well, I think just to that, the fact that it was four hours long, and then I think that, like you say, they they bring back Superman in the sort of like two and a half hours. Let's say you, there's there's been a long time to sort of show <laughs> why Bruce wants to, because again, because the because with the, with the original with the Josh Whedon one, it, it, considering everything we knew from Batman v Superman, he changed on a dime very quickly, and it just didn't feel like the arc wasn't really there or wasn't consistently there. I suppose so. I think this one did do that better to a point. Yeah. And I think there was also the thing that like Batman or Bruce Wayne didn't. I don't. I think I think he didn't really feel like he could be on their level. Like his he he thought his role was simply to bring them together, to bring the messages yeah. together. He he wasn't yeah. really part of the league really. Because I think he has a conversation with Alfred as well, where he's like, "You've you've done your you've done your bit, you've done your work. Can you now rest, so to speak?" <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. There's something quite nice about that because obviously he, he he does play a part in in the final scene as well. So I don't know. I thought the treatment. I, th- I thought the treatment of Bruce Wayne was better in this. I thought it was more consistent with what we'd seen in Batman v Superman, even though he'd obviously sort of turned back to supporting Superman. But then again, I suppose that's the consistency of Zack Snyder's vision. That's that's the benefit of having a director who can sort of plan out these films. Well, I think he's the director who was there at the beginning, which helps. So the thing I liked about Ben Affleck's Batman is I think it was actually the closest character to Zack Snyder like in terms of age and actually I, I felt this character come through that I hadn't seen before which is this guy who has achieved a lot in his life and is beginning to question kind of if he should kind of keep going almost there was that kind of I don't know, I don't want to say middle-aged man but there was that mm-hmm. that thing of kind of like am I past my prime should I you know should I try and step back but actually no I'm still needed no I still need to be here and it was a really lovely kind of little little gem that they kept for, for Ben Affleck, which I felt wasn't really... It, it's the reason why like it's, it's almost like things keep happening to him when he's turned around and trying to walk away and everything keeps pulling him back. But it wasn't done in a kind of explicit way. It was done in these kind of subtle ways of like... You know, when the guy, the, the new guy who comes down with the... Um, it's like a new character. Yeah, I know who you mean. Um, yeah. it's, um, he's called Marsha Manhunter, who at the time yeah. I had no idea who he was. <laughs> <laughs> he was just thrown into the mix. And to be fair, at the end of the film, I was thinking, where have you been for this entire film? You <laughs> could have were. helped them. I think we all did. I think we all did. Um, but yeah, when Martian Manhunter turned up and I was like, yeah, that's 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 to me what they're doing with this Ben Affleck Batman. It's a man who's like, I should walk away. I, I'm not, you know, I should step back and leave it to somebody younger. But actually, for some reason, people still see me as a leader to keep going and I, I liked I, I don't know, what, did, what did you think did you, did you get that or is it just me it did feel kind of like Bruce felt like he, did, he didn't really he wasn't he wasn't able to operate on the same level as all these metahumans that he was bringing together yeah yeah so I do completely agree with you there I mean in that scene with Martian Manhunter such a ridiculous name <laughs> with Martian Manhunter at the end where he's saying that it's it's been a while since I've seen the Defenders of Earth work together and that's because of you it is like you say it's, it's, it's him having to be reminded that actually he does have a purpose in this and so interestingly this kind of also feeds back into what I was saying about certain elements which I think Joss Whedon's one did better correct me if I'm wrong and I could be completely wrong here so when it comes to the final battle where Batman goes off first in his tank does he have that yes. line where he's like whatever happens don't come back for me or something like that because I remember in the original Justice League, it's almost like he's like he's going, he's going on a suicide mission. He's going to give them the opening to finish the job. I can't remember if that was in the Zack Snyder one. Because I mean, the whole the whole sequence still happens, but there was it was the fact that Batman goes off first and he tells the others, "Whatever happens, keep going," as it were. And it is almost like that's that's him saying, "Ah, oh, do I have to rewatch the four hour cut again?" I think he does. No, I think he does. Does he say that? I'm I pretty hope- sure because he's he's saying that like I'm gonna be like you guys go that way I'm gonna be going this way don't come back and save me just keep going and then they do of course come back and try and help I hope that moment was in there because that kind of again it's that whole shooting he's, he's drawing them all away he's, he, and basically it's almost like he's on a suicide mission that's like his final offering to give these gods as it were the chance to finish the job and then like you say they come and they they come to his aid and then you have that. Well, okay, so you have the moment which is ripped out of Avengers Age of Ultron where you have all the heroes yeah. in slow motion, which I loved, but I'm thinking... All in take, a line, yeah. You've taken, you've taken one thing from Joss Whedon. 
<laughs> you could not do it. You had you had to do it. I'm sorry. I I, yeah. I I think to me it's it's a it's a it's a superhero thing. If you didn't do it, it's just weird. It's called Justice League. They're all on the they're all on the poster. Come on, you have to give them that shot. No, but you that get that. You, you do get that shot at the very end, don't you? But um, yeah. Anyway, I'm slightly sidetracked, but yeah, it was. I think it's just. Yeah, I get. I I agree with you entirely. Well, it's 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 funny. I just I got to the end of this film and thought this is what this is what the DCEU could have been. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're not and alone. I think it's. Oh, I mean, I just don't, part of me doesn't. Part of me doesn't get all the criticism that Warner Brothers would have had from him in the first part. Like, all right, I know putting out a four-hour film isn't going to sell well because I, I agree with you. I mean, to be fair, to be fair, well, wait, I have to, I have to quote this. I have to. What was it? The the list of things that he actually had. To, how was it? This is this is a quote from it. Snyder said, um, "The the the problem with the make it shorter order." He goes, "How am I supposed to introduce six characters and an alien?" Uh, with potential for word domination in two hours. I mean, I can do it. It can be done. Clearly it was done, but I didn't see it. And I was like, this is, yeah. He had so much to do. Like, how how did they even greenlight it? I think we discussed this before. I don't understand how that was greenlit. How can you, how can you justify it? You can't. Well, the whole concept of Justice League getting greenlit. Yeah, yeah. Six characters well, and because... alien domination and the also super, super villain dude being introduced as well. Because they were trying to copy Marvel. It's as simple as that. Like, but I mean, Marvel I, I... spent four films. <laughs> like, well, this is it. Well, how many up. films did Marvel spend? Because, I mean, if we're including The Incredible Hulk, that's The Incredible Hulk. The two no, items. we're not. I don't think we should because you didn't. It, was, it isn't with Mark, Mark Ruffalo. No, but it's still it's still a continuation, I suppose. It is still it is still part of the MCU. It's just you've got to imagine that Mark Ruffalo was always in the first one. But uh, anyway, <laughs> even even without the Incredible Hulk, you've got the two Iron Man films. So all right, one of the Iron Man films sets up Iron Man. You've got yep. the Captain America and the Thor films. So that's three films, yeah. Yeah. In this one, we've had Man of Steel, which sets up Superman. Batman v Superman, which sets up Batman, and to a lesser extent, Wonder Woman, and then. If I remember rightly, Wonder Woman came out before Justice League, but it may be in the same year. We've set up three superheroes before the team up. So uh, it, it was sort of running, it, to be fair, it was running along the sort of the similar lines of Marvel, except obviously the DCEU didn't do it as well. Well, the problem, the problem was with DC is they made Civil War before they made Avengers, really, in the theoretical order of it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is very <laughs> true. But yeah, I mean, I suppose really what it, what it needed, it needed... Well, obviously, in an ideal world, they needed to have had a film with all all of them and then brought them together. But then this film did do quite a good origin story for Cyborg, definitely. Amazing one, yeah. No wonder Fisher is furious about the fact that it didn't get released. He there's, <laughs> there's a bit again in the article where he talks about like he was having sleepless nights because he was so angry that the film that they'd made wasn't the film that got shown. And I I completely understand half all of his work was basically taken out. Yeah, like no, yeah, he's 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 been definitely it. cited as kind of like the sort of the core of, of or the heart of the of, of this film. Yeah, and you can see why because I mean it, his very being is basically tied to these mother boxes, which are also the the, the thing they're fighting. He, he's kind of vision, isn't he? After a while, I was like, oh, so, so he's just vision. So his identity is somehow linked with this thing <laughs> that he's born from. Yeah, I suppose it's because yeah, in the sense that vision is obviously born sort of born of Ultron as it were but I suppose well obviously with Cyborg there's a greater humanity to it is the fact that he true. is he's, he's got a lot more humanity but he's stuck in being this outcast no that's true that's and then true. it's him and the whole I mean the whole relationship with his father was was so much better done in this like Jesus it was again it's kind of like when his dad died you were like oh no like he's finally like getting a connection it's all good yeah that was that was heartbreaking <laughs> I did think for a moment in that scene, I presume I presumed he was trying to destroy the mother box, and obviously nothing happened, and then he died. I'm like, why did you do that? You've you've literally solved nothing. And, and he then made it, oh, he made it yes, warm, yeah, yes. And then it. like five minutes later, they <laughs> established that uh, yeah, he he basically created a heat signature on it so they could track it. So that all suddenly made sense. But I'm thinking, why why have they done this? <laughs> yeah, it goes without saying that the whole treatment of Cyborg in this was just so much better. And I just, I, I loved, I also loved Ezra Miller. I loved, I loved the Flash. I thought he, every scene he was in, I was just enjoying it. It was, <laughs> he was brilliant. And I think now, I mean, do you mentioned, didn't you, that the, 
the flash mo- that there is now a flash movie still going ahead yes 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 that's uh yeah they're getting they're releasing more things as it's going the current actually the vfx artist from the new snyder cut is actually working on it right now ah brilliant so there must be an early uh, starting production on it yeah See, this is why I think this. I think the Snyder Cut is going to be the saving grace of the DCEU. I think. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, everyone's everyone's obviously saying like hashtag restore the Snyderverse, and D, and, and sorry, and Warner Brothers are currently like, no, 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 that that's it. You got what you wanted. You ain't getting anything else. As, as something from my read, until they hire the new execs. <laughs> until they hire the new execs. Well, this is it. I mean, they said the exact same thing when people were asking for the the Snyder Cut of Justice League. And now everyone's asking for the, is it the Aya cut of Suicide Squad? Yeah, yeah, but apparently they're like, no, that'll never come out. And you're like, it's gonna come out. <laughs> Although- well, uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is what I mean by they've, they've opened the can of worms. Like, they've given in once, they can give in again. I mean, you've got HBO Max, you might as well fill it. <laughs> but, this is, but this is it. I mean, I suppose it's what's, what's going to become of this because at the end of the day, I think obviously helped by the fact that everyone's still trapped indoors, the Snyder Cut is going to have boosted the potential of the DCEU. And I reckon it'll... It, it, it needed something, so that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I know that there must be like an Aquaman 2 on the way. I think that's been in the works since the first one was a roaring success. <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited for The Flash to be done. And I am kind of hoping that they do go back and do a Cyborg. I kn- yeah, I think that would be quite... I think that would be really interesting to see. And then obviously Suicide Squad. I'm not sure what else they can do though, because there's really like a whole film of Cyborg in there, in Justice League right now. I'm curious as to what how they do that. Yeah, I mean, it's, how, it's where they take him on his journey next, but I suppose you could say the same about any other sequel to any sort of superhero film. True. It's, it's all true, about true. what journey you take that character on. And we're talking about, I mean, I'm basing this off Marvel, but I mean, in the same sense that Marvel has an infinite amount of comic book lore no doubt the dceu also has that that they can draw upon i mean part of i think i remember seeing i think it was actually the honest trailer of batman v superman (laughs) they made a joke about how they basically had burned through like six films worth of content for for that film because it was the whole thing where they were teasing steppenwolf dark side all that sort of stuff there's an infinite amount of things that could that they could go down so yeah no i don't doubt that they couldn't do a like a proper cyborg solo movie but i'm pretty sure i remember that there was talks of a cyborg and flash duo movie at some point that would be funny i i really i have to admit, i enjoyed what they did with flash this time it finally felt like he was like a teenage boy Whereas last time he was trying to be like the comic guy, whereas this one it was almost like, oh, oh, I'm shiny, I'm new. Oh, we do that? Oh, no. Okay. Do I go here? Oh, oh. you know, like it was like, do I stand here? Is, is that right? Uh, Batman, is, is that okay? It was still, it's, it's still one of my favourite scenes where Bruce Wayne has found his man cave and he's, he's pitching him the idea of like, I'm putting together this team and he's like, stop right there. I'm in. <laughs> I need friends. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, oh, I mean, it's Ezra Miller, isn't it? I just think he's, he's yeah. lovely, yeah, definitely. He's just a joy to watch, and I, I don't think we can go past talking about the Flash without talking about uh, basically the moment where he rewinds time. Yes, yes. Oh, so how I don't think true. you enjoyed this as much as I did. No, no, no. The bit where he, um, where he then joins with Cyborg and he like runs backwards, as it were, or whatever he did. Yeah, so it's in the final fight sequence where they've basically lost. Like they haven't, they haven't got there in time because the parademon has shot Flash, so he's injured. He's down. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think that yeah, the mother boxes converge, and then basically it's supposed to completely decimate the Earth. And then at that oh, that's it. And then he runs forward, and therefore is able to go back. Yes. Sorry. Yes. I only remembered what was happening because I have seen so many memes and jokes about the fact that Superman flew around the Earth so fast that he reversed time. So I know that was exactly what Flash was doing. Yeah, no, I just thought that was a really, really cool scene. And it just, the whole the whole end fight scene, it was very much more they were working, like everyone had a pl- part yeah. to play and it all felt a bit more like they were a team, which I don't think the, the original Justice League had as much of. And I think that, that showed the difference between Josh Whedon and Zack Snyder because the Avengers went you had them all kind of working together and each of them had their own role and that was very prescriptive of like what they had to do. Whereas with this one, it was like, no, just get inside, just get inside. Um, yeah. And that worked really well. Well, Flash was running around until he tripped. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, no, it was, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I loved Cyborg's performance. I loved Flash's performance. Just, yeah, just an actual film, a full kind of identity <laughs> film. And I, I just, 
um, my problem is that they just had too many people to introduce and I kind of I don't the more the more I reflect on it the more I'm like so basically you're saying that none of the Justice League are any good because really all you need is Superman and then and then we're sorted there is that problem yes and I think that's why I mentioned this when we were talking about Wonder Woman most of the DCU characters there's no that doesn't feel like much of a risk because they are well superhuman in a completely different sense as like any of the Marvel characters or Batman for instance I mean they're all it's like with Wonder Woman and Superman especially if they get shot they're fine yeah and I probably quoted that exactly when we were talking about Wonder Woman but it is it's kind of like when when that can happen the risk is completely gone it's more a case that they have to and and to be fair I think well the opening scene in the bank with Wonder Woman and also I think they did do it in Man of Steel and Batman v Superman the only way to sort of introduce risk is when there's a threat to civilian life which I know sounds really basic but there's no there's no risk to the hero so to speak unless you've obviously got kryptonite or some other magic stones particularly with this with the Snyder Cut where it's like yeah well oh, yeah no because it's the one where Steppenwolf basically he's, he's about to come bring his axe down on um, Cyborg Cyborg and yeah Superman just appears which is an amazing moment I'm not going to deny that <laughs> I mean when that happened I thought that I mean that was just bloody cool but it just kind of just put home that point that yeah they don't they don't need a Justice League they just need Superman you guys are doing the help action. That's that's what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're the supporting <laughs> characters. But yeah, I found that I, I found that as a problem really for the DCU. Sorry, just DC in general. Do you know this expression that DC is about gods trying to be human and Marvel is about humans trying to be gods? Yes, I have. Yeah, and I just I love that expression. And to me, that is just the epitome of this film that hmm. you have a god. <laughs> Although I'm confused where the other Olympian gods went for from from when Steppenwolf did they just die? The immortal gods that were like when they first kept them away. Was it quite clear? Well, I mean, Ares was still alive in Wonder Woman. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So are they just sleeping? Like, is that for one? That would have been a cool Wonder Woman too. that she had to go find somebody. But no, they decided to ruin it instead. (laughs) Go and listen to our podcast on Wonder Woman 1984 to find out why. (laughs) And of course, I have to mention the fact they sorted the moustache. The Amazons are still alive. (laughs) Sorry, no, no, no. no. Before we go with the Amazons, yes, the (laughs) moustache. Although, to be fair, I think that is one of the... Again, I'd be interested in finding a breakdown of what scenes were completely reshot. I know that was one of them. I know the whole... I I, I think I've read that that on the farm. It was a case of, no, no, you know what? We're not even going to try and cover it up. We're going to get Henry Cavill back and then we'll start again. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, to be fair, there were certain moments in the original where I was like, I, I mean, there's moments where I don't realise it, but it's then when you see the, the YouTube videos or the, the, the comparisons between the two and you're like, oh yeah, no, that's, that's, that's bad. That's bad. <laughs> Mission Impossible Fallout almost destroyed the DCEU. Oh yeah, the Amazons are still alive, which is like, I thought they were dead. And like, this further this further annoys me about Wonder Woman 2. I'm sorry. This Why did you think they off. were dead? Well, the fact that in Wonder Woman 2, she just doesn't seem to want to go back at all to go find them. Right, I don't know I don't know the law behind it, but I think there mm. is something in the first in her first film where she is she told that if she leaves she cannot come back. I think it's to do with the fact that the whole island is shrouded, etc. It's all secret. Right. But then how did he get in? How did Chris Pine's character get in? And the Nazis? Through a plot hole. <laughs> Oh, okay. Okay, fair mm. enough. Yeah, yeah. Just... It's yeah, the okay. fastest way. It's the fastest way to travel through a plot hole. <laughs> um, okay. I don't know. Okay. I presume coincidence or sheer luck, but I suppose it was a case no, like cause if, no, if, no. if if she's going to if she's going out to find the, I don't I don't know. It's a plot hole. <laughs> <laughs> I could try okay. and explain okay. it. I do this all the time. I'm like I have to I have to defend these plot holes. <laughs> Oh, bless you. So they call it the nightmare scenario, as it were, where they're in the post-apocalyptic yes. future, which, I mean, I'm a sucker for anything like that, whether it's superheroes, zombies, or any other of the above. Well, because obviously we had the nightmare sequences in the Batman v Superman. So this is clearly a continuation of where that started yeah. because they teased Darkseid in Batman v Superman, which obviously he is now being brought back in on, on this way. I'm going to ask you a question first. What did Uh-oh. you think Jared Leto's portrayal as joker was in this scene coming off the back of suicide squad the scene that is in justice league is a very different one i would say to the one that i saw in suicide squad my i still find that jared letter's interpretation of the joker is too close to heath ledger 
And I don't know if that's because of like public opinion of him, which is probably why the marketing had a problem, or if it's his performance. And I loved him in Dallas Buyers Club. So I, I would say I am a Jared Leto fan. So this is not me just, you know, picking on him because. But then you compare it to what the Joker film that came out recently, and they had a very clear, very different interpretation of the Joker. And I still think that Jared Leto just suffers from the fact he's just too similar to Heath Ledger. I don't think it works for me as Joker. <laughs> Yeah, see, I, I thought it was a vast improvement. Although, to be fair, I didn't... Com- oh, see, this is the thing. I didn't completely hate his betrayal in Suicide Squad. I just... I hated the fact that the marketing had made it this big thing where he was actually in it for five minutes. At the end of the day, he was going with a different take and it was it was a bit weird. It wasn't what I expected, but I, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm, it will always be Heath Ledger for me because he was the first, like, proper Joker that I think I saw on screen. Yeah, I don't mind them revamping Batman and... and- joker as much as they do it's long as that every time they do it there is something different so to me the joker film had something different Mm. whereas with jared letter's performance i'm like what am i supposed to be getting from you because right now i get it that you've got a little bit of psychosis (laughs) well okay a lot of psychosis but i don't mind the the visual looks it was just like i don't know what emotion was i trying to get because right now it sounded like you were trying to get into batman's head and he was sort of succeeding, but I wasn't really sure what the, was really the point of that. You know, you mentioned he mentioned Harlequin and then, you know, there was that serious tension between them. But I was like, OK, honestly, I'd, I'd have cut it out if if if, if nah, someone is so. <laughs> I want to cut it. I want to cut it just because, I mean, I, I've, I've mentioned this before. I mean, I, I, any sort of like post-apocalyptic setting or alternative timeline, as it were, I, I, I like it when shows do that. I find that quite interesting. And the fact that you've got all these heroes who are now kind of like on the run, as it were. I w- I'd like I'd like to see this timeline. I'd like to see this become a film, which is which is obviously what they were trying to do because this was put and teased in the Batman v Superman one. So in Batman v Superman, you've got Flash who has again because of his speed, he's basically gone back in time to warn Bruce Wayne. Well, we don't exactly know of what, but presumably it is Superman turning bad. And we see Flash in this sequence in that same costume that we see him in Batman v Superman. So I like that whole link. I like the how it all sort of threaded together. It just felt like more of a continuous storytelling from Batman v Superman so I thought that's what worked in this scenario I don't like the fact that they've killed off Aquaman and Wonder Woman so if anything I don't want to see the nightmare scene because why would you leave those <laughs> two out because they're brilliant but I don't know I'd, 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 I'd still quite like to see Ben Affleck and Jared Leto in a film where they, it's Batman v Joker as well I feel like there is something there I think that something could work I, I mean they'd have to very they'd have to think about how they portrayed the Joker in that they'd have to how, how they change him how they make him different like you say I just don't know what he wants. That's my problem. Like, it's always you. They... It's always you. And what do people want? Some people just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> yes, but then show me a cool way of doing it. To, to show me if he's if he's full psychosis, then go more psychosis. If it's supposed to be like, oh, I don't know. I just <laughs> I just don't get like like Harlequin. You know Harlequin. She wants to have fun. She likes creating mayhem, and you get that. Oh, I mean, we haven't even talked about Steppenwolf yet, have we? No, no. I so I know people are angry about the spines missing, but I really love the voice change. Did you notice this? That like the sound effects that they changed on this edit, I loved it. There's a slight change. Well, th- th- sorry, I said it's a slight change. There is a change. I mean, it's it's obviously it's still very noticeably. I think it's K- Kieran Hines. Am Kieran Hines, yeah. Kieran yeah, Hines, yeah. who I still think oh, was kind of wasted, <laughs> for want of a better <laughs> word. I do. I, I mean, this, this is the thing that baffles me about this cut is the fact that how the hell did they look at cutting down this film? Fair enough. All right. Yeah. If you're trying to cut down a four hour film to a two hour film, fine. But you still want to keep Steppenwolf. Why did you change his design from, from what Zack Snyder had to what Joss Whedon thought of? It was just, I'm, again, I'm going back to these comparison scenes now that I keep seeing and, and seeing them side by side and thinking, what idiot thought that was worth changing? <laughs> I know. At the end of the day, well, at the end of the day, even if you you you'd superimposed Snyder's Steppenwolf into the original Justice League, I mean, he would have still been a shit villain to a point, but he would still look cool. I just don't understand why that change was done. I honestly don't. I just I find I find that baffling. I just can't conceivably think why they thought that was that. Yeah, I, I yeah, I don't know. I can't explain it. I just think that was a stupid <laughs> idea. No, I completely agree. Completely agree. He just he he. I think they were trying to. Josh Whedon was taking the instruction from the execs of like make it like you know more family orientated and more bite sized and therefore smooth <laughs> over the villain and kind of tweak him. Yeah, they go with that. Uh, they can still come up with something better. 
But, maybe, um, maybe see if you can make him into a McDonald's toy. Is, is that possible? Can you do that to him? <laughs> no. No, I just don't understand it. I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, Steppenwolf was, I mean, it goes without saying, was massively improved by this film. Just because, I think because he, he did lack substance in the original Justice League, the fact that he was just a pawn in the bigger game, as it were, really helped. It was great. He had something to prove. It was wonderful. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, the whole reason for his conquering of... I mean, we, we, we know, we knew that Steppenwolf, even in the original, was working for Darkseid because he name drops him at some point. But it's kind of just like a throwaway, guess who's coming soon sort of thing. Whereas on this one, oh, just I mean, we know that Steppenwolf has fallen out of favour with Darkseid. He's doing this to... Well, it's part of his job. He's claiming worlds for his lord, his boss. <laughs> for one of a better Thanos, yeah. Yep, for yep. Thanos, yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the whole thing where he's talking to Desaad or something like that. Another one of uh, Darkseid's mm. cronies, and he's he's like, "Will he like Will he speak to me? Can I make my case to him?" And he's like, "Once you've given him like fifty thousand worlds, he will he will speak to Forgive you." Forgive you. Yeah. And it's like, oh, uh, it's I don't know. I just I, I under I understood his motivations more. It's as simple as that. And it's like you said. I'm going back to what you were saying before in terms of what does this character want? He wants to be back in favor with with his master. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, yeah, 100% on board. But yeah, no, I, I think just sort of going back to what I was saying about um, Zack Snyder putting the emphasis on the mythology, I mean, that's it, it harkens back to a conversation that I think we've had and I've probably had with every other person who I've discussed this with. It's the fact that DC, the DCEU should not be trying to copy Marvel. They should be trying to do the yes. right thing, which is focusing Amen. on these other elements. No, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that this, because funny enough, obviously, because this has come after Wonder Woman 1984. And I know we've talked, oh, well, I mean, we've talked about it in a previous episode, but I don't think 1984 particularly did any favours to the EU. But I'm no. kind of hoping that with the release of the Snyder Cut, it has kind of opened people a lot of people's eyes in terms of what the potential is. And maybe we'll start to see a more coming out of the DCEU. Because I feel like they have faltered. I feel like the fact that we've got the Joker film, which I only loosely consider to be a DC <sighs> film, Brutal. Brutal. Well, well, yeah. It's the only, origin, no, no, the only connection to the DC <laughs> is the fact that it's called Joker and the fact that it has the killing of Bruce Wayne's parents. That's it. You're so mean. It's so mean. I still, no, no, don't get me wrong. I think it's a good film. I just think there were some people at Warner Brothers that thought, you know, this film that you're making, what if you call it Joker? We'll just we'll, we'll put it into the DCEU. Oh. <laughs> but, um, sorry. So my point is, you've got Joker. You've got Robert Patterson as the next Batman. And it's yes. just all. I mean, what I want is them to sort of expand on this DCEU that they're building. I don't want them to start rebooting everything left, right, and centre. Um, I've got a thing on that, <laughs> which is I don't know how they're going to merge Shazam and Aquaman with the new Justice League for me, kind of tone. You know what? It's... I forget that Shazam is part of the, <laughs> let's say, official DCEU. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that would stop you. You know what? No, no, no. You know what? If Marvel can put Guardians of the Galaxy next to Iron Man (laughs) and and put Doctor Strange in there, for instance, DCEU can do that perfectly. Okay. In Zack we trust. Is that that what we're saying? If Zack Snyder continues, I suppose, yeah. (laughs) But I can tell you this. If Zack Snyder gets brought back in, he is going to get paid a shit ton of money. And have full creative control. Did you, that was the other yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. He will. He will have them eating out of the palm of his hand. <laughs> well, actually, I didn't realise there was a lot of trolling of senior Warner Brothers execs about this. So they they received a lot of like hate mail and you know just really aggressive fans. I thought it was quite a, like a nice campaign, but actually, I don't. No, I think it was no, a no, little no, bit no. dark. Yeah. I, I I don't know the ins and outs of it, and I try and stay out of that. Really, I mean. But it does. It unfortunately does not surprise me that the Warner Brothers exec got a lot of abuse and death threats and trolling to to make this to get this film released. But if anything, that kind of that upsets me to a point because it's kind of like, well, this this is has this been made because of all that? Has this been made only because there was a lot of hate? And that's, that's not sort of... that's not the mm. way the business should be. It's not the way that at least the fandom should be at the very least. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, maybe. that's that's my opinion on it. So. And and I think it's, you know, it's their careers and it's really hard. Like, you know, it sounded like it was a really hard situation and, and decisions were made that were the best with what they had at the time. And I'm sorry how it all turned out. 
I'd like to think that this is a case of, at the end of the day, in terms of these negotiations with Zack Snyder and, and clearly Warner Brothers, that this this was a product of something hopeful as opposed to something destructive. And that's that's the way I'm going to remember this. To me, I'm, I'm like, you know, the fans took out a massive billboard saying, you know, where's the Snyder cut? And I'm, that to me is a kind of positive fandom of being like, we want Heckling. something. Yeah without it actually directly being like a yeah more, more well, that, kind that, of that, that's that's i mean yeah i completely agree with that that's absolutely that's absolutely fine because that's not abusive for want of <laughs> yeah. a better word yeah 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 that's that, that's what the fandom is it's it's the support it's the love for something that then creates something else it's no, definitely. yeah this definitely. became very serious about this it did it did <laughs> but no, that's okay that's okay <laughs> We have to talk about the tea scene with Jeremy Irons being wonderfully British and being like, no, 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 that's too much tea. No, not too much tea. You have to scold the tea now. Uh, Mr. T. Yeah, no, that is, that is, I mean, so yeah. No, I, 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 do, I do think Jeremy Irons is a pretty good Alfred as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you, you've had Michael Caine, so you've got to go through the, the list of amazing British actors at this point. Isn't that the rule? <laughs> yeah. No, that tea scene was... I say unnecessary. It was a great fun to watch. Yeah, it was very much a case of like Diana's trying to do something nice, and he's like, "Oh no, she's going to no, do it wrong." No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> Every Brit in America understands that moment where they're like, "No, they're not using boiling water. What? What are they doing? They're ruining the tea. They're ruining the tea." <laughs> oh God, no, that was cool. Well, I think the only thing to say is that at present, Warner Brothers has no to you, David Ayer's original cut of Suicide Squad. And watch this space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we'll report back in a couple of weeks and they'll be like, guess what's coming now, guys? <laughs> no, they oh, won't do anything until yeah. the Suicide Squad 2 is out, will they? No, no, no. But I enjoyed it. Basically, I enjoyed it. I'm really glad he released it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad all the money's going towards the suicide prevention thing, which is awesome. And yeah. you can buy also like merch and props as well. They're doing auctions of props as well for it, which I thought was just lovely. Yeah, I like that. I didn't know that. I'll have to add that. Thank you for listening to A Bit of Film Podcast with Hattie and James. If you enjoyed, please feel free to share it with your friends, families, and mortal enemies. Please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode wherever you get your podcast. You can contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or you can always email us at abitoffilm at gmail.com with new theories, opinions, and comments. We'd love to read them.